Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Alright, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are talking about Prey, which hits Hulu today instead of the theaters. There's a new Predator movie, and we don't get to go to the theaters to see it. The future kind of sucks, guys, but at least we have a new Predator movie to talk about. And joining me is Brian Scuttle from Sonic Cinema. Uh, he's been on the show a few times, and I was just recently on his podcast. You should check that out. While you're checking that out, subscribing to his podcast, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. And uh, you could also follow us over on social media at PiecingPod. And join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. I also want to let you know about our Patreon, if you haven't checked it out yet. It's the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, and you can find that at patreon.com slash Rosen. It has bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, as well as from Awesome Movie Year, another movie podcast that I produce, and from my music career. I'm currently finishing up my new album, and uh, I already have my uh, latest single, Antiviral, on there as a bonus advanced download but uh, i'll be posting more sneak peeks of the album in the coming weeks and so lots of great stuff over there check it out again patreon.com slash by david rosen so this is our first time covering a predator movie on the podcast so i'm really excited to talk about it it helps that it's a really good one too so let's talk about prey all right we are going to go back to the world of the Predator and talk about Prey. And joining us today is Brian Scuttle from Sonic Cinema. Brian, how's it going? David, I'm doing very well, and I cannot wait for this conversation. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Me, me too. This is going to be uh, this is going to be a fun one to get into. And I just revisited uh, the the first two Predators uh, in anticipation mm-hmm. of this movie and. Man, that first one is so much fun. It's just oh, so ridiculous. Man, I mean, the the first Predator was a was was kind of a milestone movie for me in a lot of ways. I I mean, I I was about ten at the time that I saw it, and it's one of those movies that I heard about from like friends and relatives who had seen it, and I I'd, I'd seen like a few slashers, but um. It's, uh, you know, it, this, the Predator is, as I wrote about a few years ago, uh, when the 2018 movie came, came out, uh, the Predator is honestly my favorite movie monster. And I, yeah. I love it because of the fact that it, it, it has the elements of a slasher villain, but it's such an inventive creation by Stan Winston. It has this, striking look that when Kevin Peter Hall played him in the original John McTiernan film, it's just such an imposing figure. And I just love the conceit of that first film. The idea of taking the biggest, baddest action movie star in the world at that time and basically turning him into the hunted. And I love that idea. The prey. Yeah. (laughs) 
and that's a hard thing to do with somebody that looks like Arnold. But uh, yeah. yeah, they sure they sure did it with that creature design, and uh, it it definitely makes for one of the one of the more standout creatures of the '80s. And uh, yeah, just just a fun movie. And the the series has had its ups and downs throughout the years. I I would say <laughs> I would say none of them are like that bad. Some of them are less successful than others. I I even you know yeah. had a little bit of fun with the Shane Black one, which you know love Shane Black, but of course that movie was not very good. But you yeah. know that there's there's things in the other movies though that have been good uh, i i actually haven't seen the aliens vs predators movies so i i probably don't need to i would imagine no i i would i yeah. would say i would i would say if you want to keep that bang percentage on the predator movies just keep it that way i uh, yeah. i i think those are the worst yeah. versions of the predator we see i i'm with you like yeah i mean there there's all sorts of ups and downs in this franchise, but even I like I like things in the Shane Black movie, sure. you know. But yeah, it's it's a uh, nothing really has ever come close to the first one, right? And now we have something that uh, almost does, but uh, we'll talk about that more as we're starting to get some puzzle pieces going. But um, before we do, though, uh, I don't usually do this, but I, I want to ask you, um, scale of one to ten, how annoyed are you that we can't see this in the theater? Uh, Eleven. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, my, my, my annoyance with this is like Spawn Tap. It goes to eleven. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm so frustrated. I mean, I get that financially speaking, the Predator movies have never, have not really been big hits over the years, but, and I, 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 some people have made good points recently about it might have something to do with the, the deal that Fox has with HBO Max that they have to release those on HBO Max if they go to theaters and stuff like that, which they got away from it with Free Guy, which I have no idea how that happened. But anyway, mm. but the fact of the matter is, it's like, no, it, it's it's completely frustrating, especially for somebody who loves the first Predator so much and yeah. has really been excited by the trailers that we've seen for these movies. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I will say, though, um, we should at least consider ourselves lucky that we're getting the movie at all, you know, given the news about an hour before recording that uh, this Batgirl movie is just not coming yeah. out at all. And that yeah. could have happened with a movie like this with, you know, who knows where the rights are and, you know, with streaming yeah, exactly. versus theaters and, you know, with the mm -hmm. the long the long history of these movies not doing too well. So at least we get the movie. So that that is a, that is a, a positive to uh, lead our way in. But let's start getting into some puzzle pieces. What do you have for your first puzzle piece for Prey? So I'm, I'm going to eschew the obvious first puzzle piece, uh, which would be the 1987 Predator. I'm, I'm actually mm. going to go with the first film in another franchise that is adjacent to this franchise and that's really Scott's alien. Okay. The the reason I bring that up is I I feel like the journey that we go on with Naru, the main character in this movie played really wonderfully by Amber Midthunder. She is somebody who is basically she she's a woman at the center at the center of this movie, who's essentially already a victim of misogyny and uh, mm -hmm. sexist views of the other tribesmen who feel like, oh, she should just be, or she should just be at, at camp, cooking, all of that stuff, as opposed to hunting. Yeah, and of course they don't necessarily listen to her until people start getting off. Yeah, and so I that that's kind of what made me think of Alien because in in that first movie Sigourney Weaver is kind of Ripley is kind of that role, but I mean it's yeah. not nearly as it's not quite as misogynistic, but it's the same type of idea, and that's something that I really like about um, the screenplay for this one is that it doesn't just follow the same premise that we've seen 
in the previous Predator movies. I mean, part of that is the setting, but also part of that is it just is doing its own thing. And it really is bringing in different influences as opposed to it doesn't make sense for this to we've already gotten like four different movies that are fundamentally the same thing. This idea of big macho action hero type characters who are going up against a, this, this alien, you know, why not, you know, why not change that up? And I really love that they did in this case. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and Ripley is such a great character and to, to switch it up, you know, such a macho series, like it, it is a mm-hmm. good thing to, to change up the kind of character that's going through this kind of story. And, uh, you know, speaking to, uh, the tribe, you know, kind of, uh, underestimating her and her hunting ability, uh, you know, of course we get into spoilers here on the show. Uh, one of the things that I find so great about this movie, spoiler alert for the ending, but, uh, the predator's ultimate undoing is because he even underestimates her in her ability to be a, yeah. a hunter and he doesn't consider her a threat and so he's not really watching her and that's that's how he gets done so you know yeah it's, this it's is, a great character beat well and it goes to something that's been it goes to this idea that's been throughout all of the predator movies which is the idea that the predator only hunts and kills things that it considers a threat yeah. And she picks up very early on, if it doesn't view me as a threat, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. And I I love the way that that is woven into this. I mean, if you're going to take anything from the previous Predator movies, taking bring this into the 18th century, that's a great thing to bring in because of the fact that it goes into the ethos of the predator and it's it's just really terrific absolutely so i'll go to my first piece um and yeah i I love using alien here that like that that's great and especially because of the series you know they have such history together but um the first one that i thought of when i first saw the trailer even and then watching the movie it's still there um mel gibson's apocalypto taking such a big blockbuster action type of story and just setting it in what may not necessarily be authentic, but certainly a Hollywoodized, highly attention to detail version of authentic uh, version mm-hmm. of a different culture, complete with, you know, the the actual language being spoken. I did uh, in my screener watched it, the English dub, but there's actually a, a version with the Comanche uh, language. I, I'm not sure the exact uh, wording for it, but um, I, I kind of want to rewatch it that way. It sounds like it would be like a really cool way to watch the movie with even further detail. Um, but then, you know, to the apocalypto, uh, comparison, I mean, you know, just this really ultra violent blockbuster happening in this kind of, uh, specific ancient setting and then various other, uh, plot beats as well, surviving a a tiger or a panther in in apocalypto Mm -hmm. and a tree is there, uh, the use of almost as a dis kind of within the, uh, within the culture and the, uh, (laughs) in their, their community. Um, there, there's a lot of stuff there that I think really works. And then of course we eventually get to where the, French come in and screw shit up, you know, here in Prey <laughs> and in Apocalypto, uh, we, we, we have the, uh, you know, the people that come in at the end and, you know, you just know that everything's going to go to shit at this point. So, uh, there's yeah. a lot of parallels there between the two movies. And, uh, I, I think it's great to be able to transpose something that's so blockbuster movie making to such a different kind of, uh, atmosphere. Yeah, Apocalypto was definitely a movie I thought about as well, and for for very much the, a lot of the same reasons that you brought up. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm actually very curious to watch this in the Comanche language as well because I think it would be really we I I think you know there there's a lot to be said about Mel Gibson as an individual, but as <laughs> as a sure. filmmaker, I think one of the things that has always been interesting about him is the fact that especially with passion of the Christ with apocalypto, 
his taking the chances of making these big epic stories in languages that we don't know we aren't accustomed to and challenging us to do that and i no i i I I was really excited to hear that they're releasing it both ways. I'm I'm really excited to I I do want to see this. I I want to see this plenty of times and I I really do hope that even even if it's not going in theaters, I do hope we get quality 4K release of this movie because of the fact that it is something that I I think is worthwhile to preserve and yeah. To not just have available on streaming. And yeah, like you said, the ending beats of, you know, the 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 new world basically coming in and getting ready to uh change things. We we get that exact we we get very much that beat in this in prey as well. Yeah. I mean, it's also, you know, I mean I, I also kind of felt a lot about James Warner's it the the score in this movie doesn't use the traditional Predator theme by Alan Silvestri, which I love that theme. But sure. at the same time, I'm glad that we don't necessarily hear it here. I'm glad that we get something that sounds different, that sound has its own personality, and it does kind of sound like some of the stuff like uh, James Horner did for Apocalypto. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I would definitely compare the score to Apocalypto score. And uh, yeah, there's some really great stuff happening in this score. I'm sure we'll talk about it more throughout the conversation. Uh, but what do you got for your next piece? So my my next puzzle piece is kind of in kind of in the same vein. And we've touched on it with talking about Apocalypto. But I mean, it's not exactly the same type of movie, but because of the setting it it made me think about this movie, and it was Terrence Malick's The New World, uh, which mm-hmm. is another movie, which is his version of the Pocahontas story. And it's, again, it's that idea of a new civilization basically encroaching on Native Americans. And I, in, in this case, whether you're talking about the French trappers, whether you're talking about the Predator, I I think that idea is something that's always going to be resonant here and with with this type of story in this type of manner um again has nothing to do I mean the two movies stylistically and narratively speaking could not be any different but also sure. I mean they but the fact of the matter is they also revolve around both of them do revolve around a strong heroine um yeah. the the way Pocahontas is developed in Malick's film is a strong heroine and it's another James Horner score that you hear elements of that uh sort of ethereal sound in the score and pray as well Absolutely. You know, I have a feeling if we had the opportunity to talk to Dan Trachtenberg, uh, Apocalypto and the New World would be like right at the top of the actual list, you know, mm-hmm. like they, I really feel like it would have to be. And uh, taking those two things and blending them with a freaking Predator movie, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like that would that would be, yeah, that's where the idea came from, you know, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, great one there. Um, I'll go to my next one. And, th- and this goes right along actually with, with some of the same things that we're talking about here but there, there's a couple of different elements on this one and i believe i actually used apocalypto as a puzzle piece on this particular movie i'm about to bring up uh but it's 2018's alpha from albert hughes a movie that nobody hmm. seemed to care about except for me uh, i love this movie um it, it's set in like the crow magnum man days and they they build this movie as the first alliance between humans and wolves, which led to, you know, the eventual, uh, you know, dogs oh, yeah. and humans right. being best friends. And, of course, it's a totally bullshit story. But at the same right. time, it's such such a fun <laughs> and just beautifully made movie. And, yeah. you know, it, it's got that, that kind of survival aspect uh, out in the wilderness and, you know, everything wants to kill you. And, you know 
luckily our our main hero in that movie has this wolf that it gets to go through the world with and they get to protect each other and that is something i wasn't expecting with prey is that uh our main character naru has a dog with her the whole time pretty much and the dog is an awesome companion it makes for some great action moments and is also like sweet and cute and funny <laughs> and uh I, I i love a good dog movie and this actually uh surprisingly ended up being one of them yeah i mean i I, I actually, I, I did actually forget about that movie, but now you were explaining it, I do remember seeing it now. And uh, yeah, I, I can definitely see that as a uh, puzzle piece for this one. It's it's really anything, I, I think to a certain extent, anything that deals with a time that really kind of predates modern civilization, I think you can kind of make a case for with as as being something that sort of steps towards what we're seeing in prey here yeah i i i think that's yeah i i think that's a uh i think that's a good one the world was so brutal and in like yeah. every era you know and it still mm. basically is but you know it was uh brutal in a different way back then so yeah exactly it's all about survival yeah what do you got for your next piece so my next one is I I've sort of teased this one, but really I mean it it just kind of makes sense because this is you know the the thing that's so interesting about the Predator franchise is that it is it's essentially an action movie first, the science fiction movie second. It's and it's only science fiction by virtue of the fact that it's an alien, and hmm. it's also a horror movie third, and so. My next puzzle piece is essentially the slasher genre because like with the first Predator, this one essentially it it reestablishes the Predator as Jason, as Michael Myers, as Freddy Krueger, as that type of villain. Sure. And I I love that. I I love that it's that type of um I love that it's that type of character. And the thing that I really love about the way they do the Predator in this one, they do, they still rely on some of the same things like Predator vision and the invisibility and all that stuff. But when you see it, the design, when you do see it and of this one is just staggering. It's, it's as terrifying. Yeah a version of the Predator we've seen since the first one. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I love, like you're saying there, that that version of the character is just so uh, awesomely designed. And really, the, the like you said earlier, like back to the, to the original, like it's just a really cool design character and that they're still finding ways to like tweak it here and there and give it all kinds of like interesting little, little, pieces and whatnot is really cool but to the piece though the slasher genre it's absolutely a, a slasher character this is like that unstoppable jason mm -hmm. character you know who you know you know when he gets killed he's actually going to come back like one more time or yeah. at least one more time you know and like there is not going to really be dead and you're just like totally expecting that um and and that's so funny and that's part of what what makes the character so much fun i think yeah. for sure so uh yeah i love that it's a great piece there um Oh, you know what? Actually, real quick, I, I guess we might as well mention this. Uh, I remember when Apocalypto came out, bringing it back to Apocalypto, people kind of in a pejorative way were saying, like, it's just basically a slasher movie <laughs> in the, like, different language in a different yeah. you know it's like it's like yeah that's why it's awesome though mm -hmm. you know like the, that's why it's cool slasher movies can be really fun if they're done well right you know so yeah so slashers genre that's a great one i will move on you know uh to to another product of the 80s uh and that would be the rambo movies specifically i think first blood part two would be uh the the place specifically to go especially once we're escaping from the uh from the french uh camp yeah. which 
turns out to uh, just, you know, be an excuse to get a whole bunch of fresh bodies for the predator to kill, oh, yeah. you know, because <laughs> it's really, yeah, there, there's not enough Comanche people to kill, so we need other people. And so, uh, yeah, so it, it's a good way to, to introduce some new characters to, uh, to for him to just completely destroy and for the uh, Comanche people to kill, too. So lots of death well, happening here, you know. Well, so. and the thing is, it's like, you know, you, you ultimately want... You know, because uh, I think because of the way that I I think because of the way Native Americans have been portrayed in not only cinema but just in and what they went through in real life, you don't necessarily want them to be just the only can fodder. Sure, and you kind of want to bring in like the French or early early white settlers to. So because of the fact that it pulls into that idea of white, the white world encroaching in on Native American soil and what that did to those communities and those people. Um, I, I, and yeah, it's like you do want, so you don't necessarily want that. You kind of want other people who are more villainous to be able to bring into that. Yeah. And I, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, that's, that, that is a, uh, that is a very good one. Awesome. Awesome. What do you got for your next one? So my next one, it's, it's kind of a weird one, but I was also kind of thinking about it. It's, it's not, it's not quite the same type of story, but again, goes back to the strong female character, goes back to the fact that she's essentially, especially with the French hunters coming in. She she's essentially, you know, in the middle of all of these forces against her. And it's the Hunger Games. Again, okay. which is kind of a weird one, but if you especially the first one, if you really think about the fact that it's Katniss against all of these different people, she has some allies, Naru has her brother who becomes a big ally and they uh they they are able to do some damage themselves but um yeah i mean that's that's kind of where i was coming from with that one yeah no absolutely i i've actually surprisingly like that's one of the there was a twitter prompt like a week or two ago like what what's a major series you've never seen and i've never seen any of the hunger games movies but you know i certainly have seen the trailers and everything and i and i know like what uh jennifer lawrence's character is like her whole uh you know thing is and in, in the kind of the hero journey of that and um you know, just how many people she's up against and everything like that and needing to prove yeah. herself. So, uh, absolutely. I, I think that that, that fits. And there, there's like a, uh, an aspect of like, kind of like every man for themselves out there because there's a mm-hmm. fucking predator out there. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. you kind of, <laughs> kind of gotta be. So, uh, yeah, yeah I, I'll I'll go to uh, maybe a little bit of a left field pick, but I'm going to go with a video game for my next puzzle piece here. Um, the Horizon Zero Dawn game on PlayStation from a couple of years ago. There mm. was just a sequel just recently. They came out on PlayStation 5. Um, but it's this mix of like a really visceral, natural environment um, that actually takes place in the future America, like after post-apocalyptic and everything is gone, all the cities are gone and everything. We've kind of returned back to a natural uh, atmosphere. Um, and there's these like mech beasts that uh she she has to hunt and and destroy and so you know in this case the predator is basically this mech beast thing and uh you know feels like completely alien in the way that uh the the creatures in horizon zero dawn are uh but also the the character stuff in that game um like the world has kind of uh you know now become back to to tribe tribal kind of uh communities and she has to prove herself to her tribe and she's determined to do it in like the most difficult possible training hunt that she could possibly do for herself which is hunting these giant mech beasts so um you know you, you've got that like ridiculously over the top like hard journey for this girl that she has set out basically for herself to do um, that she doesn't really have to go that hard, but she does it to prove herself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and then that, that mix of technology with the more natural setting, uh, kind of also, you, you get a lot of that here as well in Prey. 
Yeah, I definitely, I, that's one of the things that I really like. And again, it goes to what, how this one is so different from pretty much all of the other Predator movies that we've seen is that for Naru, this really is her initiation into being a warrior. Yeah. Like this is, this is her quest to be a warrior. And you know, I love the fact that it initially starts out, oh, you know, it's like we're hunting a lion or something like that. And then you, she sees it go up against the bear and it's just, you, it's just something that she, she just does not expect whatsoever. And yeah, I, I, I love that about this story. And, um, one of the things that I am, a big fan of with this movie is that I love that she is not, I, I love that they don't necessarily play it as they, they truly play this as alien. This is, they truly play this as something like this is something nobody's ever seen before. This is technology. Mm-hmm. Nobody's ever seen before. Um, and the fact is, it's like, the way she's inventive and the way she's creative in the, in some of the same ways, uh, Schwarzenegger's Dutch is in, uh, Predator in terms of how she kind of figures out the things about the Predator that she needs to know to be the hunter yeah. in this case. And I, I, I love that. Yeah, me too. I, you know, Speaking of which, like just a couple of weeks ago, uh, that's kind of an element of nope. I feel like Jordan Peele's nope, like that that whole thing of like we have no idea what this is, we don't know anything about it, but we just got to figure it out. <laughs> like there's nothing else, yeah, there, no, nothing that we've ever prepared for is going to help with this. Like we just need to figure it out as mm-hmm. we go. And uh, and she, her character, it just feels so natural the way that she's figuring these things out. And as we see later in the movie, once the French are introduced, I mean, she doesn't even know how a gun works. Like so, to even yeah. know anything about an alien technology, like that's like way beyond anything and uh yeah it, it just it feels natural the way that um mm-hmm. the way that she learns about the stuff and and learns to fight back so yeah it, it's yeah. great character moments with her uh what do you got for your next piece um my next one is another one that kind of makes a lot of sense once you really start to think about it. it's one that it's uh it's an older story so a lot of people may not necessarily uh, think about right off the bat, but it's really kind of the template for a lot of these movies that we've seen in the Predator franchise and the Alien franchise and just in slashers in general. And that's, that's the story of the most dangerous game. Mm-hmm. And uh, talking about the 1930s movie, uh, where basically, you know, it basically goes to this idea of this isolated area and this rich person is basically hunting men for sport. And, yeah. you know, we, we've seen this several times before. I mean, it's, it's baked into the DNA of this type of movie. It's this type of franchise, even uh predators, right? Wouldn't that be, oh, yeah. you could use that yeah. for, for predators yeah. as a piece. At, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, uh, it's, it's a, it's a terrific film. I mean, it's, I think it's in, I don't know if it's in the public domain, but it's usually available somewhere streaming if you haven't had a chance to watch it. It's actually a pretty entertaining movie. I it, It's funny, I actually... And if you've seen the movie I'm going to mention, you'll understand why I brought it up. I, I actually watched... I actually was inspired to watch it for the first time after a uh, after sometime watching Zodiac, David yeah. Fincher's Zodiac, because Most Dangerous Game is brought up in that movie. Um, okay yeah yeah but uh i it's it's really an entertaining movie and it also it has very simple themes very simple ideas that it conveys and i i i feel like that's something that these move a good action movie does and uh i i think this is this is a great example of just a simple but interesting action movie yeah yeah, absolutely. It's such a like a, a perfectly simple concept that it's the kind of thing that you can uh 
you, you could see you could see its DNA in so many other movies. And uh, it, yeah. actually, now that I think about it, it would make for a great Breaking It Apart episode one of these days. But uh, yeah, it, it's definitely a movie whose influence you can see on on so much stuff. So uh, yeah, great one for sure. And uh, I will go to my my final piece. Um, and this one might seem a little silly, but uh, I'm gonna go with the Jungle Book <laughs> because I mean. You know, it's obviously a totally, totally different kind of movie, but there are some really great moments in this uh, where we're kind of focused on, like, the whole ecosystem of the jungle and all of these mm-hmm. creatures that are all natural predators of each other. There, There's... There's a couple of really great moments, like one where that like uh, a rat eats an ant, and then a snake eats the rat, and then the predator skins the mm-hmm. snake, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Th- th- there's another moment that I absolutely loved is like probably the biggest laugh of the movie uh, for me, anyway, where uh, the the predator just like straight up just ruins a wolf that just killed a rabbit and then yeah. we cut to her missing yeah. trying to kill a rabbit like like yeah she's gonna go up against the predators sure you know like there, there's a <laughs> lot of really fun stuff like that just about that uh you know that natural food chain and like the uh, you know the, the the different the different creatures that inhabit this particular kind of jungle and uh well, you know, they don't talk and sing and all that stuff, you know, still, it seemed like a, uh, a, a yeah. good, a good piece to use for that particular element of the movie. No, that, that is, that is actually an excellent one. And, uh, for, for the reason you're saying, because yeah, I, again, that's something we haven't really seen in another Predator movie or even like an alien movie or anything like that. We, we don't really see the way these ecosystems kind of evolve and the, you know, the the prey predator idea it's very baked into this one in particular and um no i i i I can completely see where you're coming from there uh yeah i mean this this would have been fascinating as a musical and maybe the simpsons (laughs) would make a musical like they did planet of the apes but uh i could see that yeah. yeah I uh, it's uh no it's it that that is and that that's definitely a good one. I can I can definitely see where you're coming from. I I do love the thing that I think that separates this one and the first predator from the rest of the franchise is that it really establishes the location. It yes. really establishes the landscape that we're at. It really establishes what pitfalls and what possible hiding places we could be looking at different things that we could be looking at in the future. And I, I love how subtly it does that. Um, we don't really see that in any of the other movies in this franchise, you know, and it's a, it's a shame it goes to, you know, it goes to the cred of, uh, Trachtenberg and, Patrick Azon, who wrote the movie, the fact that they were able to visualize this and just create this larger world. But yeah, the the scene with the wolf chasing the rabbit is it it the way that the, and some of the other scenes in the uh, long tall grass really remind me of the uh, raptor scene in Lost World. Okay. Uh, yeah. Which I absolutely, I've always been a big fan of that scene in particular. The the way that Spielberg uses the tall grass to basically hide the raptors, but you see the overhead shot of them basically like going through and just picking people off. I I love that, and I feel like there are some great moments like that in this movie. Yeah, no, that that's great. Yeah, I I hadn't thought of that. I've I haven't seen the Lost World since it first came out. I, one of these days, I'm going to revisit those first three. Um, well, I mean, I, I the first think, two and three. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I think it's surprising because, and not even necessarily, I'm not saying this as a knock on what's come afterwards, because, I mean, I, I think the Jurassic franchise is another one that's been mixed, largely a mixed bag after a truly yeah. great original. But The Lost World actually is, I I like the lost world more now than I did when it first came out because Hmm. of the fact that you kind of see more the thematic ideas that Spielberg's trying to get to with that one in particular. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm due. I'm due for it for sure. I've of course seen the first one like a million times, but two and three, just yeah. those <laughs> opening, you know, opening weekends. So, <laughs> but uh, do you have any more puzzle pieces? I uh, not really. I mean, this is, you know, this is this is such a uh, this is ultimately such a simple film, such a uh, stripped down film. I mean, you know, it's really hard to think of too much else that. I'm sure. sure other people can come up with other ideas or probably like other movies that explore some of the same similar ones, you know, but yeah, but maybe not something that's totally different. Oh yeah. I mean, and, uh, but I think the ones we've covered, we've, we've covered a lot of ground as far as this movie. Uh, yeah. I, I will, I will just say, I love that this is on the shorter side because of the fact that it shows that Trachtenberg under, the importance of an economic sto- piece of storytelling in this because of how straightforward it is as a narrative and that's one of the things that always kind of surprises me with the first predators how how briskly it moves and yeah. just the fact that it gets to where it gets to so much i will say i i was really kind of hoping we would get the type of scene between Predator and Naru, sort of like what we get at the end of the first Predator between with Arnold and the Predator, which is one of my favorite action sequences of all time. I love the way McTiernan lays out the geography of that scene. I love the way he, I love the way it plays out. I love the natural ebb and flow of, you know, who's kind of got to step up on between the two. I, I felt like this one kind of as as much as I like the fact that it was on the quick side, I do kind of feel like it probably ended a bit abruptly. Mm. But ultimately I feel like we got so much so many good moments up until that point. It it just is such an entertaining film. It's just such a great breath of fresh air for this franchise that really is needed for a while. Yeah, no, absolutely. I and I completely agree about the ending. I did feel like it kind of uh, it kind of rushed things a little bit, and it could have taken its time. You know, I I had brought up uh, Rambo earlier. You know, I I thought that maybe she'd be like setting up more traps and stuff like that. You know, things like that. You know, like like in the first Predator. You know, so uh, yeah. they they could have taken a little more time for the the takedown of of the Predator. But um, but yeah, otherwise though, there, there's a lot of really interesting things here, and it's not you know as we've seen, it's not the easiest franchise to successfully tackle and uh Trachtenberg mm-hmm. I think does a great job I mean I'm such a huge fan of 10 Cloverfield Lane I might not be movie pod- podcasting if it wasn't for 10 Cloverfield Lane <laughs> being like just such a huge like favorite that you know like got me extra excited about getting back into movies at that point in time you know what I mean that was you know pre-podcast but uh, I love that movie so much and I can't believe it's taken us so long to get another movie from Trachtenberg I I hope he gets to do something again soon. Um, I'd say the same yeah. for the film star, Amber Midthunder. I think she's great. And, uh, you know, she's been in a few things lately, but I, I hope she gets to do more. And I hope we get to hear more from the composer, Sarah Schachner. She did a great job in this, and I think it's her first feature composing role. Yeah. Yeah, she really did. I I, I would love to see uh, Midthunder kind of work with as many of the big action directors uh major action directors working in Hollywood now. Uh and I mean I, I'd love to you know, I, I can almost see Cameron bring her on for an Avatar movie. I, I really sure. can. Like yeah. I and I, I think he would he would absolutely be on board with that. Yeah, I mean I I I need to revisit Ten Cloverfield Lane I haven't seen in a long time. Um I I remember liking it, but I didn't necessarily have a lot of the same love for it that other people did. But I do think I need to revisit it. Yeah. Um. And uh, and I I think part of part of the reason is because that's such a weird, uh, that that's such a weird forced franchise. The Cloverfield <laughs> movies. It, yeah. It's it's so weird. Like you you've got the first one, which okay, that's one thing and then you've got two sequels that essentially 
were not sequels until they were had parts grafted well, onto them. Let's be clear here, Brian. There's only one sequel to Cloverfield. The third one never happened. That that's that's the stance that the PC oh, yeah, together that's right. podcast takes. Yeah. So yeah. There, there, there is never a Cloverfield <laughs> paradox. Doesn't exist. Uh, let's never talk about it again. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, no. I, I'd I'd love to hear what you think about uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane next time you give it a try. But uh, yeah, I think that does it for Prey. Uh, is there another movie you watched recently that you'd uh, like to recommend to our listeners? So, you know, it's it's out of it's out of the realm of what we're talking about in this movie, certainly, but uh Werner Herzog, one of Werner Herzog's most recent documentaries actually just hit prime, uh, Nomad in the Footsteps of Bruce Bruce Chatwin. And uh it's it's very much in the Herzog tradition of how he builds his documentaries, but in a way I think it's almost more revealing of Herzog as it is his than it is even his subject. And Bruce Chatwin was a travel writer who uh Herzog came to know over the years. Uh he passed away in nineteen eighty nine. And um yeah, it's it's a fascinating movie. If you're a fan of uh Herzog's work, it's and I mean a, you know, a gear of wrath of God fits Corral though, or his sure. documentaries like Grizzly, Grizzly Man and uh Encounters at the end end of the world. Uh it's it's well worth checking out. It's on I it just came on Prime on Monday. So yeah. I I'd love to hear Herzog do a documentary about the Predator. That would that would be fun to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> I I I want I want Herzog to narrate like so many movies. It's just yeah. not even funny. He he <laughs> he he's like he he's essentially my Morgan Freeman. Like yes. I I I love him as a narrator. But uh, I I would I would love to see him make a Predator movie. He he would oh. make the most insane Predator movie. Like he, he would almost kill his cast like he did with Aguirre Wrath of God. <laughs> and I, I it would be it would be insane. But I don't know. He's probably he's probably mellowed out a bit on set as yeah. far as his narrative features now. Maybe but, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Brian, this is great. Uh, tell people where they can find you and your podcast. Uh, my main hub is www.sonicdiasema.com. You can find my written reviews, the Sonicsema podcast, as well as my music. Um, I do have a. I do have a film score coming up for a movie called Player PhD that should be coming out in the near future, uh, which I'll have more about that on Sonic-Cinema.com. That's that's the main place you can find me. Any other links, uh, you can you can find there as well. Yeah, and everybody uh, listening, make sure to go check it out and check out the episode I was just recently on, talking about music and composing and everything else and all that stuff. Yeah, and we're we're I'm definitely uh planning on having David back on the podcast and hopefully hopefully sometime soon to uh talk about a movie that we both love. Absolutely. And hopefully we'll get you back on piecing it together again sometime soon, Brian. It's a pleasure to join you, David. Hey there, classmates. Tune in to Middle Class Film Class every Monday and Wednesday for weekly movie news, streaming picks, and one deep dive review. The Batman trailer. There was a teaser. There was a trailer. Trailer one, trailer two. Final trailer? I don't know if it's the same one. How many trailers do we need exactly? Leave an email or a voicemail to join in the discussion. Bullshit artist! Uh, <laughs> yeah, buddy! All right. awesome. You're going full Danzig. Right, I am. My, my trans yeah, has no power, power over me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Prey. Thanks to Brian Scuttle for joining me. And thank you to you for listening. If you enjoy what we do here on Piecing It Together, we'd really appreciate it if you went to Apple Podcasts or Good Pods or one of the other podcast apps that has a star rating and drop that five-star rating. It's, you know, a nice thing to do. You could also just make sure you're subscribed and keep listening to the show, and that is awesome, too. You could also share the show, and we'd appreciate that. Follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. Or check out the Produced by David Rosen Patreon. Lots of options for what you could do if you want to support this show. And uh, 
again, just thank you for being out there and listening. We really appreciate it. We've got a lot of episodes coming your way and a lot of back episodes you can go back and check out. There's a lot of piecing it together to listen to. And uh, in the meantime, while all that's going on, I'm also finishing my new album, uh, my new Music video Antiviral came out this week. The single for Antiviral hits all the streaming services on Monday. And I am just, as soon as I finish this up, going to get back to working on the rest of the album. I'm currently working on music for two new albums, actually, at the same time, which I will stagger out the releases of. But uh, lots of new music coming your way. And speaking of that music, we always close the show with a piece of music. And I'm going to do that right now uh this actually you know what i'm gonna play uh one of the new tracks why not let's preview something this actually won't be on the new album that's coming out this year this will be on the one that i'm finishing for next year so this is like an advanced advanced preview uh the track is called swamp and uh, i think it feels like a good fit for something like prey so let's play swamp uh, it's not 100% done, but it's pretty damn close. Uh, and we'll be back with more Piecing It Together coming up real soon.
All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.